RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to another episode of Live Bold and Boss Up. Guys, we have a great conversation with Kyla Callahan. She is the co-founder and executive director of her husband's foundation, Ryan Callahan Foundation. Um, you know him. He's been in NHL for 17 years, uh, most recently with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And you saw us laugh hysterically last week. And this week we're crying <laughs> because of just the emotional and amazing things that Ryan Callahan Foundation is doing for pediatric cancer, children, their families. They give them amazing experiences. They help them out with their bills. They just really try to make, uh, you know, hopefully not their last months or days with, with the children. Hopefully it's, you know, hopefully they accomplish um, cure, but. Yeah. Makes it easier for the families mm -hmm. and they do amazing experiences with them. She shares a story of um, one child who always wanted to swim with the dolphins and he got to do that. Um, but that's just small piece of it. So she shares her story on how they started it and, and some yeah. things that they've gone through and it's, it's amazing. It is amazing. And she's full-time mom, three kids. She's managing the household. It's really cool too, to hear her side of the story of being um, a hockey wife. Right. And, and like what's behind the scenes and what's that really like? So enjoy the conversation. Um, get your tissue boxes. Ryan and I lived in New York city for eight years because he played for the New York Rangers. And at that time we were involved with the garden of dreams foundation, which is the nonprofit that is affiliated with, um, the New York Rangers. So I did a lot of work with them. I also served on the Madison Square Boys and Girls Club. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that nonprofit or not, um, but I was on the board side of that, of planning and doing events and functions. And I would see little snippets of the um, people being involved in the community and working directly with the kids. And I didn't really have that opportunity at the time with the Madison Square Boys and Girls Club. Um, but I really craved doing that. And Ryan and I had always had a passion for giving back and we always felt as though our purpose would be within the pediatric cancer community. And it wasn't until Ryan was traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning that we were afforded the opportunity to do so. So Mr. and Mrs. Vinick, who are the owners of the Tampa Bay Lightning, which everybody knows in Tampa, um, they're fantastic people. They allowed us to naturally grow and give back. They were kind of like, do what you need to do. We are here to support you. Um, and we want to see you make a difference. That's awesome. So at the beginning, right now, we're like, oh, great. Where do we start? Yeah. <laughs> where, where do we start with this? So um, the Lightning Foundation was so fantastic. And they were like, why don't you start with the suite at half the Lightning Home Games? So we're like, sure, that's great. So we started, we started with that. And we worked with four local nonprofits at the time, the Children's Cancer Center, the One Voice Foundation. Um, and PCF and BNB, which is now called BCC, Beat Childhood Cancer. It's a neuroblastoma based nonprofit. They're fantastic. You should look them up if you don't know about them, um, which I also served on their board for three years. Anyways, um, so we brought families into the suite at the home games and it was a different nonprofit every night. And I just began making relationships and having conversations with mom and dad and the children and 
it was so odd because a lot of the time it would be the dads that would pull me to the back of the suite and they would just unload their emotions on me and they would be crying, telling me stories and how it was the first time that their family had been together within the same four square walls in months. Because really? one parent, yes, one parent is always at the hospital with a child and the other parent is at home with the sibling and there are like ships passing in the night. They never get to spend time together. So um, they make sure that it's okay with their oncology staff and team that they can get out for a night. And if the child's counts are high enough, they were able to come and the whole family would come sometimes grandparents or aunts, whoever they wanted to bring. And they were having a good time, right? Not thinking about their treatment tomorrow or the scans that they're going to have or how they're feeling yucky. They're really enjoying the hockey game. And I had an arts and crafts volunteer in the suite. So, I mean, our, it was like, playtime in the suite and not everyone always watched the games, but I had kid friendly food, the lightning um, cheerleaders at the time, which when they were still there, they would come up with the kids and Thunderbug would come in and we had ice cream Sunday bars at the end of the night. So it was just this like feel good time. But, but also during that time, we realized that a night away is really cool, but it's not, it's not enough. Right. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. So, I mean, after the game, they would come down to the locker room and Ryan would meet them. And if they had another favorite player, we would call them in and do photos and autographs. But so how we first started was after we had the suite, which we call our Cali's crew suite, we decided to launch another program called our two, four club, which is all plan Ryan's number. And at the beginning, it was going to be $2,000 of financial assistance per family. And then like a $4,000 family vacation trip. Um, and that's like kind of like the basis of how that started. It's not like that anymore. Um, so the director of the One Voice Foundation, Marianne, she came up to me and she said, I have a, I have your first family for you. And I was like, okay, great. And I didn't know what, I'm like, okay, great. what do I do? How do I start? She's like, here's, here's her phone number. Give her a call. Her child is terminal. And I was like, oh gosh, okay, how do I call a mom of a terminal patient? What do I, what do I say to her? Why would she want to talk to me, right? <laughs> so I called her and we had a good conversation and she told me that all her son wanted to do was swim with the dolphins. I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's swim with the dolphins at SeaWorld. So it was kind of a thing because back in the day, a child's support was actually external on their skin where now they put them underneath so they're more protected. So We had to go through a little bit to get him to the point where he was able to physically get in the water with the dolphins. Um, And we spent, we made sure the whole day was set for them. Right. right. And we give them spending money and the whole bit. And at the time I gave them a large package of financial assistance too, because obviously they were struggling. Her house was falling apart. She was a single mom. Dad wasn't in the picture at all, which is a story that we often hear because the stress of treatment just drives a family apart. It's just terrible. Um, but it wasn't long after his trip to some of the dolphins that Michael passed away. Mm-hmm. So that was obviously our first loss of a child that we didn't really get to know. We met him a couple of times in our suite and we saw pictures. And so they asked us to attend his funeral and we did. Brian and I went to his funeral up in um, Northern Tampa and Uh, When we walked in, it was very small. It was just his family and it was a closed casket. And next to his casket was a 20 by 30 photo of Michael kissing a dolphin from the trip that we sent him on. And it was in that moment that Ryan and I looked at each other and we were like, 
of all things, right? This whole child's life. I mean, he was 12 years old, but to, for every lasting memory to be would be the trip that we sent him on, right? So we were having people come up to us saying, you're the, you're the ones that sent him. That was his last happy memory as a family that they got to have. And so Ryan and I went, we left the funeral and we sat in the car and we looked at one another and we were like, we're making a difference. We're doing something like this is actually meaningful, like a senseless trip to swim with the dolphins where at the time we, we didn't know what that meant. That's actually leaving a mark on this family. So from there, we met many more children, sent them on many trips. Um, we are giving financial assistance. So our, since our nonprofit is just small grassroots, we don't have the stipulations of we only give $2,000 $2,500 per family. I really get to know a family and see what their living costs are, their monthly expenses. And, and from that point, we make a decision on how much money we give a family. I mean, but sometimes it's upwards of $10,000 that we'll give a family because I mean, if you pay one month's rent or two months rent, then what, what's the third month going to do, right? What's going to happen? What's going to happen then? And, and if the child is truly struggling and very sick, then they're just in the depths, right? So we try to do as much as we can to give relief to families um, and to bring a moment of happiness back to them without the stressors of finances and medical bills and, and all of those things. There's so many things, right? That a family goes through. So that started as a large portion of what we were doing. Um, since then, we have evolved quite a bit. Um, we recently started. Um, a program called Kelly's Comforts. So right before the pandemic hit, I met with a woman who um, her son was in class with my daughter at the Academy of the Holy Names. And I had seen her now and then, but she wasn't really there a lot. And I was in music class with my baby, who's now four, at Miss Alley's in Hyde Park Village, right? Love with all my heart. And there was a little boy in there, Corbin and a dad. And he was always there. The dad was always there. And I was always there with my son. And after class one day, even though we were in class together for like nine months now at this time, he was like, hey, is your, does your husband play for the lightning? And I said, yes, he does. He goes, I really admire the work that you're doing with your foundation. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's great. Thank you so much. Couple of weeks later, the kids don't have school. The siblings are there. Come to find out, our kids are in class together. So, his wife Jessica um, asked me for coffee one day. Now, this is right before the pandemic started, and it turns out we had a long conversation, and she wanted to get involved in the nonprofit too. And so, I sat down with her to see what she was thinking, and she had been absent for the past year and a half because she was battling breast cancer herself. Um, she would come and go from class and she always had crazy hair and it was always a different wig that she had on. Nobody knew, nobody knew that she was battling. She was like this incredible woman. Um, she found out that she had breast cancer when she was pregnant with her third daughter. Mm. She had no idea. So she went through her whole pregnancy before she started treatment. Mm. Um, and then after that, she came to me and she said, you know what, when we were, when we're in the hospital or when I was in housing because their middle child has some health issues. She's like, there really is like a neglect. 
that a student feel whole as a human being? Like, could we do something? Could we bring providers into the hospital of patients' rooms and have mom and dad get some services, the child maybe get their nails painted or something? So it's like, this is a great idea. Let me bring it to my team. Um, And we had it approved right before the pandemic that we were going to be able to bring providers into St. Joe's, into Tampa General Hospital. Well, then, of course, the pandemic hit, right? So I'm like, great, now what? And then when I move, we leave Tampa and we move back to New York and everything is kind of like frazzled and in the the air. Um, But we made it and we got to a point, thanks to the MLB, that they provided free COVID testing for everybody. So we were bringing providers into the homes of patients and their families. And that program happens in Tampa. It also happens up here in Rochester, New York. So families are able to have hair and nail services, their massages and facials. We have this like foot detox that they do. Um, They get family photos taken at the end of the day. They have makeup done. I send them meals. I love that baskets, the whole thing, beauty counter products that are like natural and good. Um, so that whole program kind of started during COVID, but it really has taken off. So I does love Jessica that. run that part or Jessica she- helps me in Tampa. She does. Thank God for her. She is like an angel in disguise. I don't know how I would do it without her. And I have two other women that are a part of our team too in Tampa that also are just fantastic human beings that help us um, on the day-to-day. But without Jessica and her drive and her passion, she's like my missing piece in Florida. Since I can't be there all the time, she's able to continue that and to keep it going. And she shows up on my behalf to the days that they're doing their services. And, and then we also have like a suite at the Tampa Bay Rays game, which is now our new Cali's crew program since we're not affiliated with the Lightning anymore. And she'll show up on those sweet days and be a part of the suite and the families. And so she's really kind of taken my place there, which is so crazy. It's like out of fate that happened. Like, right. yeah. Well, Very I love, I love your passion. And, and we saw that it was so evident mm-hmm. at the event at the Ryan Callahan Foundation event at Armature. I mean, you got up on stage and you just, I know we were talking before, but you don't like, you have like zero nerves. It seems like, because you're so passionate about it and you just get up and you own it and you just talk about it because you are so passionate about the foundation and helping these families. And it's, I think Ash and I developed like a woman crush on you while you were (laughs) like, Oh my gosh, she's amazing. And we love what she's doing. And this was the second time we attended the event, but, um, It's just, I love what you do. And I feel like as a a professional athlete's wife too, it's hard on you because you're traveling all over and you don't have that stability as maybe someone who is just rooted in one spot who has, you know, both, both parents there taking care of the kids and you have a family. So like, I love just your drive and and what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It is, <laughs> that is kind of like a one-man show um, with Ryan being in and out, but then taking care of our three kids and all of the things, all of their activities that they're in. Our kids are so involved in so many things. Um, but at the same time, I've been learning how to manage being a mom full-time, running the house essentially by myself, 
And then also devoting time to the foundation. I try to make it a point to really pour my heart in here and in Tampa um, every day and just to see what what can I do more? How, how can I be more effective? Sometimes I feel like I get to these points where I feel like I'm not doing enough or I'm not making a difference. It's it's like these like peaks and valleys that happen. And I'm sure it's normal and natural for it to happen over the years. But I mean, there's times where I feel like we're on top of the world and we're impacting so many lives and families. And I feel at other times where I'm not doing a thing. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not the case where I'm not doing anything because our programs are running in two states and I'm trying to reach out to new families all the time. And like, we're just here to help and give yeah. assistance, right? right? But sometimes it's hard to get to these people because they don't know about us or or social workers don't trust the new relationship yet or newly diagnosed families don't want a pamphlet of information from a nonprofit that they've never heard of. Like it's just right. another plate that they don't have time for. So really throughout time and just by word of mouth and people talking about us and families that we've helped to tell other families that maybe that they should send us an email or give us a call or give us a chance that they're going to realize that we're just here for the good. Right. Yeah. How do you, how do you keep it organized? You were saying how you're trying to do all these things, right? Did you find like anything that anything magical that kind of like works for you at least right now? I know everything changes, right? Kids get older, they're, they're, um, you know, you know, that athletic ability or whatever they're into now changes and the foundation grows and ebbs and flows. Have you like, I don't know, found something that kind of helps you navigate through that and keep it all organized? So I, we hired someone in Florida. Her name is Allison. Um, She's amazing. And it was really hard for me to let go of the reins per se to let someone else make decisions on a daily basis or to have someone kind of fill in my spot to, to reach out to people. And I realized recently that I can't do everything. I can't be in five places at once. I need to let other people help. I have a hard time letting other people help me out. I want to do it all myself because I feel like if I'm not doing it, then it's not getting done. Right. I'm learning that's not the case, that there are other people that do want to help and do want to get involved. So I, Allison has taken a big chunk of that for me. So even from like the daily, like paperwork and stuff that if I just can't get to it, I can send her a quick email or text and she's on top of it right away, which thank God for her. Um, and then we have a creative director, Norzafari that lives in Tampa as well. And anytime I come, I'll have these like brainstorming sessions where I come up with these crazy ideas of different programs that I want to run or different events or small different things that I want to do. And I kind of just like jot everything down on paper and I spew it at her and she turns it into something. Wow. So that's a great partnership we have. So so I have a lot of all these ideas and I'm like, I don't know how to, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to execute it, but I will be there and I'll be the driving force and the passion behind it. And I will make it a huge successful event, but I just don't know how to get to that point. And nor is that person. Mm -hmm. Thank God for her. And she's also, she helps me in New York too. So Mm -hmm. I'll call her and she's helping. She's making phone calls and she actually has like, 
various vendors that are go back and forth, which is so bizarre, all these connections that are happening now to New York. So she is kind of that person for me up here too. We all need a Nora in our life. Yes. Everybody needs her. She's so, she's so great. But I think that's a good point that you made is um, I feel like so many times often as like women and moms, I feel like a lot, we, we think that we can do everything, but I mean, we would probably be more productive a lot of times if we delegate or we do and trust someone to do it. And then we would be less stressed Mm -hmm. and, you know, we deserve a little break sometimes too. Um, but giving that responsibility to someone else, I think it's a, is a good advice. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard because as a, as a woman, you feel like if you're not doing it and you're not being successful and at all of the facets in your life that you're failing. Right. And if you're not the best mom, if you're not going to every PTA meeting, which, which I do, I'm on board for school. Like I'm the head of the classrooms at school and if I'm not doing that, making sure my kids are at their activities, having all the right foods to eat, running the foundation, making sure we're present in Tampa, building a new foundation here in Rochester, New York, which is like starting from the ground up. Then it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't what know do you how you do with yourself. Right. I don't know how you do it all because it's not like, even though Ryan is now retired, he's still traveling. You said now, you know, just as much as whenever he was on the team. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it's less, but he's still, he's still on a travel schedule working for ESPN and playoffs are ramping up now. So it's funny because we're talking about playoffs now, which is how we used to talk playoffs when he, when he played, Mm -hmm. um, who they're going to play and what city he's going to be in for the next seven days or whatever. And that's kind of the case now. So, um, we're waiting on his playoff schedule and where where he's going to be and what games he's going to cover, um, which is super exciting. Right. Cause then the kids are going to be able to watch TV and like see and hear him. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so they feel like, feel like they get it. more dad time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they do. They always want to know when daddy's on TV, what game he's calling. So it's very cool for them to be able to see that. Cause some of the kids, they don't remember when he played and they don't remember going to all the games. And, and so it's funny, my four-year-old, he'll watch the hockey games and he'll watch the lightning and he'll be like, daddy, is that you? And Ryan's sitting next. <laughs> so cute. No, honey, that's a that's who Daddy used to play for. Daddy doesn't play for them anymore. But that's cute. Yeah, but now he watches him when he does his when he commentates on the game. So it's just as good. Well, I want you to share a story. But it doesn't have to be the same story that we talked about before. It can be another story if you if you have another one. But I I just love. Um, what you shared with us before, whenever you and Ryan, you were married, living in New York and just the impact of, um, it's not super easy being even before kids, even if you don't have kids, but either having like a spouse in the military or that's a, an athlete and is traveling everywhere. And you're at home, like managing that by yourself. And I just love the story that you shared with us, uh, whenever you were living in New York and Ryan, you would just um, was it the flood? Yes. Yeah. The, the big, the great flood. <laughs> the great flood. 
I feel like we should write a book. Yeah. These stories that it's just like, it's so funny because our best friends, the Girardis, who we grew up with from juniors all the way up our careers cross paths um, until we were in Tampa, Florida. It's like if something weird or bad happens, it's always the Callahan. So like, oh, there's the Callahan. <laughs> it's like something weird is happening. It must be to their house or to their family or to their children. <laughs> So, um, we were living in New York city. We are not, we were in our second apartment, which I loved so much. We were on the second floor. We had a huge outdoor space finally. Right. I mean, space is hard to come by in New York city. Right. Ryan was injured as he always was my dear husband, who was always blocking shots and breaking bones. Um, he was on crutches and my family was visiting from upstate New York. And we went out to breakfast on a Sunday morning and the city is very quiet. On a Sunday, it was my favorite time to be in the city. Totally dead. Walk anywhere, go to Central Park. It was just beautiful. So we went out to breakfast and we got a phone call from our building when we were out to breakfast. And they said, I think that you need to come home. And we're like, okay, why do we need to come home? And they're like, ah, something's something happened in your apartment. And we're like, does it involve? Because that morning when we were getting ready to go out, our toilet was kind of doing this weird bubbling noise. Um, and we kind of just ignored it. I'm like, that's so odd. And we were like, kind of like laughing, thinking about what was happening. So we said, does it involve the toilet by any chance? And he was like, I think you just better come home. So we get in a cab and my husband's hobbling across the <laughs> through the lobby. And we, we enter the building and they have three huge construction bin garbage bags in the corner, the back corner and Niagara Falls is coming to the ceiling. <laughs> And so we look at we looked at him and we said, "Is that our apartment?" And he just shook his head at us, and we we're like, "Oh my god!" Okay, so we take the elevator up to the second floor, and the door is propped open, and there's probably three or four handymen in there with mops, sloshing, sloshing <laughs> around the water in my apartment onto my sofas, onto my coffee maker, oh. and bed and my clothes what had happened was the woman or man or family or whoever was living above us was flushing diapers on the toilet for an extended period of time and since we were on the second floor everything came out through our bathtub oh gosh toilet and there was probably four inches of flooded sewer water in our apartment Oh, awful. And so we you were really painted the picture, by the way, sloshing <laughs> the water. I wish I should have taken a video. Like I didn't even think of it at the time. We were just like so in shock. We walked in right. and I was like, my face like hell water, right? It's like, look at what was actually happening in my home. And um, so we spent the night that night um, at the Girardi's house because we shared a wall with them because we're, we're best friends. We love each other. Well, they're lucky they didn't have any of the right? water in there. They got yeah. In. yeah. So then the next day, our apartment is still, I can't even tell you the smell in there and everything that really wasn't cleaned up yet. Brian's like, okay, I have to go. <laughs> and he went to Washington for round one of the playoffs and was gone for five days. So I had to. I talked our super at the time into letting me stay in a studio apartment upstairs, which was kind of semi-furnished. 
not totally. And so I took a laundry bin, like those metal wire laundry bins on wheels. And I would take all items, bleach them and bring them up to this new apartment. Thank God we didn't have children yet. Thank God. That's what I did for five days. And then it came to the point where the, our apartment was like unlivable. We had to leave. We had hardwood floors that were just soaked in work and sewer. So, um, I had to find a new apartment and move all by yourself. All by myself. But you know what good came out of this? I, I didn't tell you this previously. Ryan was in the Olympics um, for the, the first time he was in the Olympics was in Vancouver in 2010. And Ryan won a silver medal. That's awesome. Wow. Right. So we had it with us in New York City and we would show people when they came over and stuff. Well, we lost the medal. Oh, my gosh. We had lost it. It was gone and missing for a solid year. And when I had the movers come pack me up, they found it. Where was it? I don't know. He said it was behind, behind a wooden drawer in one of our, um, I don't, there's no, there's no way I tore my house apart looking for that metal. Of course. Man, I, I have never met before. I jumped on him. I bear hugged him. <laughs> it's like, pouch. He didn't know what it was. He's like, we found this weird pouch. It was like this felt thing. You would have never known that like an Olympic medal was in there. Right wallowing this man <laughs> like what is happening I'm like you have no idea I'm like you just found oh. my husband's silver Olympic medal that's, that's insane obviously so we took and we showed him and whatever the whole bit now it's in a safe good nobody can have that now but I'm like I forgot that came out of that story but his medal was missing for so long like and I'm like oh my gosh I'm not gonna be able to show my kids this that like what he won and because then he went back in 2014 in Sochi um and they got fourth place I'm like that's not gonna do any good for anybody there's no (laughs) right there's nothing there for that one yeah no there's nothing there so um yeah that's just that's a little snip of just the daily life of all the happenings Right. Maybe if it wasn't for the flood, you would have never found the Olympic medal. So it was a good thing in hindsight in, in silver lining, silver lining. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. The silver lining. I know. Thank you. (laughs) And then we moved to another beautiful apartment for a little bit before we got traded to Florida. So, Uh. well, Kyla, you are amazing. We love you so much. Mm -hmm. Um, we will include the information for the Ryan Callahan Foundation on our show notes um, to make sure everyone gets that information. Um, I think it's a, an amazing organization to get the name out there. And I love what you're doing here in Tampa and then as well as Rochester now. Do you yeah. have plans to like expand other to other areas and new well? programs? And so um Right now we're going to stay in two cities because it's kind of a lot. And I don't know if I can handle more than that, but, um, we have, we launched a new program rise, which is, which is a health and wellness program at the children's cancer center in Tampa. So that's the newest program we have. And then in the next few months, we're going to be launching an art therapy program. Nice. So excited about that. So that came out of our event in Tampa, um, a wonderful artist who we've been working with approached me and she's like, how do we do more? And I'm like, oh, we can do all the things. I am so excited about this. So once um she's out of town right now, but when she gets back, we're gonna we're gonna make a new program and we're gonna have an art therapy program to add to our repertoire. I'm so excited. So it's awesome like evolving and growing and 
I need a space. I feel like I need to like buy a building and have a space. This is my future. So we have all these like wonderful programs that we're running and we're building and we're growing and and it's happening now in in Rochester too. So we have different programs up here that we're doing and it's a little bit of a slower start because I need to establish these relationships with stuff, but, um, but it's happening and it's growing and it's fantastic. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. And we look forward to seeing you next year mm-hmm. at yes. the event. What theme should we do next year? Ooh. I don't know. This year was like, really good. It was super fun. I like the discussion. It was fun, right? Mm-hmm. I know. Well, right now we're planning our big launch gala up in Rochester because they haven't thrown an event up here yet that is a fundraising event. We I've done so many events for families, but nothing to raise money. So um, right now we're planning our launch event up here in Rochester, which date is to be determined because I booked a date and we're planning it. And then I realized after the end of a three hour meeting that Ryan has to work that day. Oh. <clears throat> Will you send me that information whenever you have it? Because we have a lot of family and friends in Rochester that I could send it to. Oh, as well. Yes. yes. I would love to do that. Yeah, send me that information. And then okay. I don't know, we'll have to. We think of any good ideas on the theme, we'll let you know. Yes. Yeah, we have to do fun. fun. I yeah. want I, the bigger, the bigger the better. <laughs> well, you always do a good job at that. So I'm just a good time. I just want everyone to really enjoy themselves. Yes. Right. That's like all Rod and I really care about. We want everyone to come, have a good time. I don't want it to be stuffy. I don't want everyone to be sitting at a table eating like a five-course meal that they don't care for. Right. No, definitely wasn't stuffy. It was a lot of fun. Those there, you had like these awesome little round chairs going on. Those lamps, what were they? Yeah, remember you had like ginormous lamps. Yeah, they were like this. There were two up lamps. They were so cool. And And then we had horses. Yeah, yeah, the horses. That's right. So my horse trainers from New York state, they, they're in Ocala for the whole winter. So they came in, oh. um, and they tried to ride the horses. <laughs> That's I'm, great. I'm sure sh- I, I like, thought about it. Yeah. I had to walk away. Cause I'm like, I can't, I can't see it happen. Right. You're gonna do it. But right. if you want to go ahead, but I'm, yeah. can't, no one can tell nor, and you can't get caught. You can't ride them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love share share was like a great touch. She was, there was so much fun. Oh my oh gosh. My I wasn't sure like the dynamic of how it would go or if people would be into it. But when she came out with her thing and her performance, I was like, oh, that was I great. I love that. Yeah. You did a great job. So I look forward to next year. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Uh, we'd love to have you on again mm-hmm. sometime. And maybe whenever you're in Tampa, I know you have to come down to visit. We can, yes. yeah, yeah, we need to schedule another visit down there really soon. I know I'm planning, um, we're planning like an end of summer event for all of our families, kind of like a before back to school type thing. Right. Um, it's kind of going to be like a culmination of our Kelly's comforts and rise programs together. So it's going to be like a big fun event for all of our families. So that is in the work. So we'll be down for that. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. We'll keep us updated on everything. And we're so excited. and you know, love what you're doing. So yeah. congratulations on everything. Yeah. Do you ever feel like, um, cause even just sitting here talking to you, like I couldn't hold tears back. Yeah, like how do you, you did, did you like get tougher over no, the years? I totally, no, I totally 
I totally lost it in um, October of 2019. I had a family that I was really way, I got way too close with, way too close with. And um, I would call mom all the time and I would just check in with them and I would pay her mortgage. I would give her like financial assistance. I, I sent their family to Disney for New Year's Eve. Um, he was so, he was in and out. We gave them Christmas parties. We, I mean, I can't even tell you how much stuff that we did for this family. And I would be with them, right? I would meet them places. I would hang out with their family and her siblings. And um, it was October of 2019 and he was in the hospital and it was and it was the end. And I would go up and visit him in the hospital and his birthday was approaching and a family friend called me and they said, we need to throw him a party. And I was like, okay, when they're like tomorrow. I'm like, okay. So I threw him this huge toy story themed event in the hospital. It was, was I mean, obviously before COVID and it was in this big event space that they had downstairs. I mean, there was a Toy Story cake decorations. There was toys. Everyone came dressed up in character. And he came down in his in his hospital bed. And he, I don't even know if he opened his eyes. Um, he knew that, he knew we were there. He knew that we were celebrating him. And he ended up passing away on his birthday oh. a couple of days later. Um, and, and after that, I, mean, we, I went to his funeral. <laughs> My son was born in 2017. So my son was two and my son's birthday is in the end of October. And I remember sitting in my house in Florida and my son had, was standing, barely walking right across the table from me. And I remember looking in his eyes and I just couldn't do it. I, I couldn't look at my son because I was putting myself in this mom's shoes of losing her son, right? And like having to look at her son for the past few years of him relapsing and deteriorating. And and it was after that that I was having anxiety and panic attacks and I couldn't look at my children, couldn't look at my kids because I couldn't imagine my kids going through that. I couldn't imagine losing a child. Like right. I just, it was so, it was so hard for me. And I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a parent of a child with cancer. You know right. what I'm saying? So I'm like, this isn't fair. Like I shouldn't be feeling like this. This isn't my child, but I was so close. I became so attached that after that, I, I stepped away from the foundation and Ryan was like, you need to, you need to take a minute to, you need, you need to step back. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to move forward from that. I didn't know if I was going to be able to get past that. Right. Um, it's emotional. Yeah. It was really, it was really, it was really hard. And um, I mean, I think about it all the time. And so then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to get close to families. And so then I started this new thing where I was like, I'm not going to get close to families. I'm going to have a family come. It's going to be on paper. I'm going to send them a check. I'm going to send them on a trip. I'm going to put them on one of our programs and I'm going to sit in front of my computer and I'll live my day. And that went on for a little bit. And I was like, this is not me. That is, this is not my truth. I am not here to have my name on a piece of paper to help a family go somewhere to give them assistance. This is not who I am. This is not why I started this. So I needed to figure out the balance 
of how to be involved with families, to run a foundation and to still be able to live my life. And, and I started to take out a new perspective and I talked to Nora about this recently after another child that we had recently passed away. And, and she asked too, like, how are you doing? How, how are you handling this? And I said, I've, I've learned that every family I meet impacts me and changes, changes my life, right? Changes my course, changes my path. Are they impacting me with their story? I mean, it doesn't have to be about losing someone, right? But, but what they gave, what did this family give me? What did this child give me? give my family, give my perspective. So instead of looking at it, like what is being taken away from me? What am I losing? So I'm constantly losing, right? I'm always losing, always getting something taken away. But that's not the line of work that I'm in, right? So I've changed my perspective to what I have gained from a relationship. I love that. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a good way of think of, thinking of things. Right, right. Yeah, which I have to myself of that all the time because right. I will easily flip back and forth. Right. But um that is my new mantra. That is how I can get through things better without that, being good in therapy. That yeah. is amazing advice. I really like that. Yeah. Ooh. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> no, Thank that you. I think that was because I was wondering like as you as you're talking, I'm like, how does she do it? Like she's, you just have this like such positive energy and you just want to help and you just want to do it. But it's such a hard like topic and such a hard thing to, to do that. I'm like, wow, like, I don't know how you, you have such a strength within you. So like, I love that you shared that, like how you get through it and how you do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you. you. You're awesome. Let us know when you're in Tampa because I would love okay. to, to get together. And and let us know when you're going to have that event in New York. We'd love to yeah, share it. just share it with everyone. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. Well, thank yeah. you, Kyla. Have thank a you. great rest of your week and weekend. And we look forward yeah, to seeing yeah. you next time. Thank you. Thanks so much. Until next time, babes, live bold and boss up. This is a Forking Around Town with Tracy Guida Quick Fix on Radio Influence. As I've always mentioned to you guys on all of my previous episodes, I'm always really excited when I get to connect with other like-minded individuals on Instagram. And today I am happy to have Jay join me. Jay is somebody who is very educated in the beer world. I wanted to ask you a little bit about beer culture because that is... Um, I noticed, you know, whenever I find somebody on Instagram, I kind of read up and see what they're up to. And so you're very involved with that. And I just wanted to kind of um, hear a little bit about beer culture and what they what they represent. Uh, well, I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, yes, it's it's a organization that was formed and it was formed through love and passion. Uh, beer culture is a nationally recognized nonprofit organization. And what we strive to do is to increase diversity uh, equality and, uh, and, and to include people within the craft beer community. Uh, the craft beer community in general has been exceptionally welcoming uh, to me from the beginning. I got into craft beer back in 2009. It was a completely different world back then. Mm -hmm. 
and it's exploded since then. Tampa Bay in particular is a huge beer city now. Uh, but as far as the diversity of the craft beer world, it, it, there's really not much there. And uh, there was a need to to bring people together and bring them into this world that's so full of of color and uh, so full of life and so full of variation when it comes to experience. Mm-hmm. Most people think of beer and they just think of like a Bud Light. They don't understand that beer can be anything from that to tasting like a Rocky Road uh, or tasting like a banana uh, sundae. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's just so much variation. It's a huge adventure every time. Forking Around Town with Tracy Guida can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.